0: crazy thing i'll tell you about While to, to get us started the other night i'll tell you why i'm kind of low energy today is a couple nights ago uh there was a guy um just down the street from us who got uh, raped no no uh, his his girlfriend i guess broke up with got him raped. and uh <laughs> well i think he probably <laughs> broke in with the intent of giving her you know a, a little something something and he An unwanted
1: sausage party
0: came to her house with a gun and he busted through the window and he's oh like, wow he's like what up and she she ran away and she called the police and when the police got there and walked up to him he shot at the police and uh this began like a super tense standoff for like four or five hours and we we watch it on the uh, we're watching it on the news and i'm like wait a minute i know that street and i i go to our back kitchen window and I look out and sure enough there's a police blockade that I can see uh, from the window and uh, <laughs> I guess they, I, I can't help but imagine like, it's just one guy with a gun, alone in the house, everybody got out of the house okay, and I, I can't help but imagine that when like the police get this call, they're they're like, oh boy and they get to like, <laughs> they get to like go get all their toys and I mean you should have seen how many cop cars uh, showed up for this, it was just absolutely Did, did they insane. have an APC. Uh, they had everything, man. They had this little like tank they were driving around in. <laughs> and, like I don't think they needed any of it and um, they try to they try to like negotiate with him, but he's not talking to them and like they throw a phone in the house and he's not answering or anything and uh, we're listening to all this on the police scanner and I, I guess they go in and they uh, they throw some smoke grenades in the basement, like put on masks and go down and like clear the basement and they can't find him. You know, they go around all the corners and and, uh, Rainbow Six it. And uh, (laughs) eventually, they finally clear the upstairs as well. And they find that he shot himself. Oh, my God. And I think he was... I think that... That's not funny. It is, but um, it, it's not super funny, I guess. But it, I'll be
2: the first to laugh. What's funny? <laughs>
0: what's funny to me is they were basically like having a standoff with a guy who probably shot himself like pretty early on. <laughs> like he was probably in there just dead for like three hours. Well, yeah,
3: because they they, they bring, <laughs> bring they bring all that stuff around and they don't. I, you would think they would have some kind of surveillance, I guess.
0: I mean, if I see a tank outside, I'm probably gonna give up too. Like I'm not. <laughs> i'm not super tough i'm not planning on taking that out but
1: this is their one chance to shoot a guy without having a whole lot of public backlash and they i missed out yeah
0: i mean like seriously they, they probably are like oh yeah and like I just <laughs> imagine them all like i, I, I guess can the,
1: shoot him in the back and not get in trouble
0: <laughs> you know they're they're off duty they're at home they get the call they run over and slide down the pole they had installed in their house to the garage or something and
1: yeah, they put a ladder up on their roof, and they climb up the ladder just to go <laughs> down the pole.
2: <laughs> minority standoff. Minority standoff. Oh
0: goody! <laughs> so anyway, uh, we st- I, I had to be up at like six a.m. the next day, and I stayed up till two listening to the police scanner. So <laughs> uh, I
3: mean, it's like it, it, I mean, it sounds like this guy just planned a straight-up murder suicide, and he didn't do the murder part very well.
0: I mean, and I think that that is the absolute best situation. Like, that's the best way this could have worked out, is uh, someone we don't need removed themselves from the planet, and uh, the police got to have their fun, and uh, that girl, uh, maybe she'll be a little more careful on Tinder. I don't know. Oh, God. But anyway, that's what's uh, that's what's going on in, in my part of town. Hey, guys, did you know this is the Enemy Slime Podcast? I'm sure you did. <laughs> You would have to know that by now. Business as usual with us. This is episode yeah, yeah. number
3: one fourteen. Yeah, all that was a video game, Jared just described.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's super hot. That's so much dogs too. It's the plot of super hot. Um I'm your usual host, Jared. I'm joined today by Mr. Jay Joseph Jr.
3: Yep, I'm right here.
0: Jay is from New York, so something like this probably happened like Uh, 30 minutes ago you know yeah down the street from
3: him you basically see armies roaming around the subway (laughs) stations i
0: I remember turning on the news last time i was there and it's just like murder murder
3: murder 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 (laughs) and here it's like
0: what's in your water oh my god
3: well we're gonna we're gonna discuss uh the division later on and that's pretty much 100 percent accurate as to what new york city is
0: modern new york now i'm also joined today (laughs) by mr doug wilson yeah sure i'm here Mr. Michael Mahoney.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I don't know about you guys, but I am feeling some serious, uh, like, just downage uh, due to the lack of Latin flair uh, on the podcast. <laughs>
3: uh, I think that's why everyone's depressed.
0: Mr. Mm-hmm. Mr. Lorenzino is still gallivanting about the globe. He seems to return just to play video games and leave just in time to again. miss the podcast. yeah. So that's pretty perfect. Yeah, because he's going to be a great,
3: a great guy to talk about um, the division with, but right. he's not here to talk right. about it.
0: I spent a good majority of Tuesday, or Sunday, sorry, pulling that off PlayStation Plus, and uh, then I never opened it.
3: So it was, I mean, you, you, you basically pulled it down right when they were ending it anyway.
0: I'll leave it installed just in case they do another beta. Um, but knowing my luck, they will, and it'll be a whole new 24-gig download, <laughs> and it won't matter anyway. But uh, I don't have particularly slow internet. It's just PS Plus just is terrible. yeah. It just
3: t- it, t- it, t- it takes forever. I was I was um, debating it. I wasn't really feeling it. I was I was playing some other stuff and um, I I guess Ubisoft's just like disappointed me so much. And at at this point, I, I think um, I think we even had this conversation with like me, you, and Lucio. Um, where everyone was complaining about the bad games they were playing. And I'm like, no, every game I've played this year so far has been pretty great. I've actually enjoyed everything, which is a great turnaround from uh, last year. And Lucio was just determined to really bum me out. And he was like, yeah, but you have Ubisoft games to look forward to. And I'm like, look, um, we kind of reached the apex of my disappointment with Ubisoft a long time ago. Uh, There's nothing else that they can do to bum me out or make me any angrier than they already have. Is that a challenge? (laughs) Well, since I'm already at the lowest level of disappointment, anything that I play from them that's actually good is like a pleasant surprise, right? Because I was was basically expecting to jump into the Division. And I don't know, I guess I was expecting Watch Dogs Part 2. It had a very similar, um, I guess, kind of show path as Watch Dogs. Like oh, here, we're announcing this amazing game with this amazing new graphics technology and this amazing new uh, online interaction, and you've never seen anything like it before, and it's crazy, and then, you know, each show that The Division shows up, it looks slightly worse. Uh, they take out a few more features, and then it just goes on and on, and, and at that point, I was like, yeah, I see the warning signs. Let me get off this train now so that I don't have to go the full ride and uh, be there when it crashes. Um, but Lucio basically convinces me to get into the open beta, and uh, I, I download the game, and I play it, and I actually really enjoy it. <laughs> it was better than you expected. It was better than I expected. and So I
2: guess the takeaway is that Lucio, stop being such a fucking downer.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, it wasn't working anyway, because I don't expect, and I have to play, I guess Mark Cry Primal is coming in this week, right? And I think, I have I think, you'll, ha- I think you'll have it tomorrow.
0: Okay. But Jared and, uh, was
1: gonna play it. He loves cavemen.
0: Yeah, that's not happening ever. <laughs>
3: <laughs> um but I'm you not
0: the, all the all the critical reviews seem to indicate that what I said about it is true, which is that it won't be good. Because uh, they all gave it eights and sevens. So uh I mean that's terrific. By by my yeah, like that that's pretty much like a, a garbage bin game.
1: <laughs> the kiss of death. <laughs> If, Just lost it
0: if superman 64 released today i'm convinced ign would find a way to give it like a like a six at least. <laughs> They'd be like it
1: at least. deconstructs superhero tropes by being so bad
0: <laughs> play as the man of steel in a way you've never seen him before
2: how i overcame an abusive relationship with my father with nintendo
0: 64 anyway this uh the this, this division better than superman
3: 64 Uh, It's it's better than Superman 64. It's better than Watch Dogs. It's better than a lot Ubisoft has done lately. And, uh, you know, I think, for me, I was in a similar place when I played Far Cry 4, where I wasn't expecting anything from Far Cry 4, and it kind of pleasantly surprised me. And what I see happen online, since we're talking about other reviewers, what I see happen online a lot is people are, like, mad at Ubisoft, and that's justified, right? Right. But it always feels like they get mad at the exact wrong games. So when Assassin's Creed comes out, everyone's rushing to give that game nines and tens. It's like, oh my god, game of the year. All the first Metacritic scores are always ridiculously high. It's, it's always like a 90 or, or, or like a 95 or something. And you just know that that's going to go down with more reviews start to trickle in. Um, you know, I, I saw some crazy reviews. I I don't remember if it was GameSpot or whatever for Assassin's Creed Syndicate talking about it's the most beautiful open world they've ever seen. And the shit's just smog. It's just like smog and dirt everywhere and it's ugly as hell. Um, you know, the same thing with Unity. Everyone was rushing to compliment Unity. So the Ubisoft games that are actually good come out and people didn't give their measured and good criticisms for the bad games, so they 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 throw all those criticisms at the good games. So Far Cry 4, people bitched a lot about things Far Cry 4 did wrong, and I found it to be a pretty fun game. And I see the same thing is happening with The Division. And, you know, I, I, I think it's hard to go into The Division and not know what it's about. It's Tom Clancy. Uh, Tom Clancy's always about fighting some brand of terrorist or, um, you know, he, it, it's like you're not going to, what I'm saying is you're not going to play a Tom Clancy game and expect to fight orcs, right? Um, you're People, it's, that sounds <laughs> it's like it's not going to have a
2: meaning. It's not going to have a meaningful homosexual relationship for you to explore.
3: Well, and that's what I'm getting at. There are some reviewers, some right, right? some some video game writers, um, some that I actually respect that cited some ridiculous criticisms. Like there's you you sh- you shoot a lot of um, it, they do this thing where where different gangs throughout the city have different affiliations and and they get away. We, with a lot with um in terms of imagining how a gang might behave like a group of berserkers or um you know a group of pyromancers or whatever you want to call them um so you have guys with like flamethrowers on their back and you have guys that run at you with fire axes and stuff like that And, and it's pretty imaginative for what they're stuck with you're only stuck with human enemies um but people find a way to criticize this and they, they're like, oh, well, since you're killing looters in New York City, it feels very inappropriate because of everything that's happening with Black Lives Matter and Ferguson. And I'm like, that's a really, that's a really strained comparison.
2: I mean, if black people would stop running around with, you know, flaming axes and, <laughs> you know, napalms. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe.
3: Maybe, maybe, they, maybe they wouldn't get shot with that flaming axe in their hand and right. a pack of Skittles in their pocket. Um,
0: <laughs> I, you know, I'm looking, at, I'm looking at Tom Clancy's bibliography and like he's probably got to be the most reliable author ever like he just he literally put out a book every year never went more than 2 years without putting out a book and they're all the same like they're yeah. <laughs> They're also close. Like Michael Michael Crichton, he has like, you know, uh he definitely has like a thing he likes, but right. for the most part, you know, like there's there's a, always going to be a couple of fucking weird ones or like Stephen King, you
3: know. Stephen King, right. Uh, yeah, I was going to say that.
0: He, he's very prolific, but he's always got like just every few years this fucking bizarre out of nowhere one will show up where like he writes about a time traveler who tries
3: to stop JFK from being assassinated. Well, I mean, his greatest work is like The Dark Tower, which isn't I wouldn't describe that as horror.
0: Yeah, that's that's true too. <laughs> But man, Tom Clancy just
3: straight up like It's very it's he's very consistent. And, and and that's why I find it so so these these reviewers that are saying it's out of touch because of Ferguson and all that, you're kinda of the one that's out of touch because Tom Clancy is like this conservative dude who just likes his his uh his big heroic American men have to save the world day from uh, terrorists that are ruining the world. And that's always well, Tom Clancy. And my lives
1: matter. It... <laughs> If if uh, some sort of apocalypse hit New York City, I I, I don't want to sound racist, but I'm sure there's going to be some black criminals.
3: Doug, at least one.
0: I, uh, boy, Doug, <laughs> what a racist statistic!
2: <laughs> Should have known it. The self-hating black man. Uh, <laughs> I know his my people.
3: <laughs> um, but it's not—it's—it's it's not even that at all. I think you know. I think the random character you run into the random character generator. It's the same exact random character generator that they've been using in every single fucking game ever. It's like you put in a few skin tones or whatever. So if you're running into um, um, black NPCs that are spawned as looters and all that kind of shit, it's not a racial commentary. It's just whatever the numbers decided that day. Peter's racist I I Killed my shirt of, of white people And Asian people in that game um, You know it's, it's uh, right. but You shot an it's Asian kind of person? Like, I, uh, yeah but uh, To be fair in that game An Asian person's also your best friend So you're not racist Um this is going way off rails. Let, let's be uh, candid. Do you think
2: anyone was legitimately offended or made that connection? Or do you think it was like, I've got to write 10 articles today. Here's one. I, I,
3: yeah. I mean, I, 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 you know, I think there's a, I think there's a general kind of person that I, I think people are kind of aware of this stuff, but it's what I've always felt where, especially in the video game industry, people are kind of out of touch as to how to best focus their energy and as to, um. You know where to best focus it. So the division um, isn't going out to make any kind of statements, right? It's literally a game about something called the dollar virus, where everyone's spending like maniacs on Black Friday and spending these infected Black dollar bills Friday. around.
1: That sounds racist. <laughs> yeah. And,
3: um, Wait, maybe and these the- guys
2: are onto something.
3: <laughs> that's how the that's how the virus breaks out, just from consumer spending. Again, very Tom Clancy. Um, you know, it sounds like something that he would have written. Um, and, you know, I, I, I think when you look at something like this and just try to make it some kind of stretch of the imagination, like I've definitely played stuff that was a little more offensive, but I think people take away the, the wrong message. I think people fight it in the wrong way and um you know i think video game developers definitely get kind of the wrong signals from this type of shit. because look at everything that's going on um you know especially with japanese developers that are pulling out of markets now or like nintendo making these needless censorship changes to fire emblem and all that kind of stuff so i i don't know i i i think people just really focus their energies wrong when it comes to this stuff um i think if you really are that concerned. You know, you're not going to write an article um, for a video game blog. If you're that concerned, you're going to go out and volunteer. You know, I don't know. S- spend your money. Don't don't decide you're not going to buy the division and go spend your money behind Bernie Sanders or something. But That's it's kind hard,
2: of, uh, Jay. I want to complain <laughs> online or blow up an army recruiting station.
3: Um. <laughs> so yeah, I I I feel like this is this got way off topic as a game. Um, it, it wasn't just the Black Lives Matter stuff. There were other criticisms they levied at the division that felt unfair. Another one was kind of, oh, well, the NPCs say the same shit over and over again. And really, what video game, what open world have you played that's not like that? Um, you know, I think it's a minority of games where NPCs are all, always able to generate new conversation. Um, yeah, I guess if, you, so.
1: if you listen to the podcast, we keep saying the same jokes over and over again. So it's not that <laughs> yeah, hard. That's, that's true as well. Peter um,
3: Molyneux has aid. There we go. Boy, what a and, singer! <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway, I you know I feel like the division is a very fun game. I I I um you know the cover system is very. I I don't love cover but it's it's a solid cover system. It's a, it's a cover system where you want to stick to it and it's actually created in favor of the player because cover is very important in that game. If you're out of cover for even like a few seconds, you're basically dead in a firefight. Um but it's in favor of the player, so it blocks bullets well. If an enemy is going to try and flank you and all that, you can usually see him. His, uh, his movements are very uh, telegraphed, so it's not going to take you like, surpri- by surprise like it does in a lot of video games. The AI is not just going to randomly appear behind you. Um, and it's very kind of fluid. It's, it's not as fluid as um, Phantom Pain, but it's a lot more fluid of a cover system than a lot of video games. And um, you're going to stick to it well. And you're going to be able to decide your movements exactly. And as you get used to the controls, it feels just better and better. Um, you know, people complain about the shooting, but I, I really found the shooting to be pretty solid. It just it felt like the shooting in Watch Dogs. Um, and of the very few good things in Watch Dogs, the shooting was like one of them. Guns felt good, and that's why Watch Dogs always punished you for using them uh cause they were actually fun to use and watchdogs like oh you fired a bullet Time to send 20 cops your way
0: well remember uh, so- the extra important part which is they gave you no incentive
3: not to use them too <laughs> thanks watchdogs <laughs> um, but anyway in the division um you know guns felt good uh guns felt different they they have a strong kick uh they have a really strong recoil uh, which I don't think gamers particularly like, but I think in terms of trying to represent some of the real world here, that's nice. And New York, you know, I was impressed with New York as a New Yorker. I've never been impressed with New York in video games. Um, you just I'm like, yeah, this is an accurate representation, but I'm kind of bored. So GTA 4 bored me a lot with New York City. But the map feels it's an, it's a nicely sized map. Uh, you're only in three areas of uh, downtown New York in the game. You're in uh, Madison Square Garden. You're in Chelsea and you are in the garment district. And, um, you know, I, I, it, it, everything looks right. Everything is about in the right place. And I, I could easily navigate streets because I kind of had a sense of where I was going. I'm like, oh, if I go this way, then I'm going, no doubt, going to run into this landmark. And that was mostly pretty true for the game. And I, I found that really cool. And New York was very colorful because, you know, everything ended around Christmas in this game. So that's when the virus really broke out. So you literally have, like, Areas of the city that are Christmas forest, and it's very, very bright and very pretty to look at. And um, you know, I, I I like that they didn't go for kind of the low hanging fruit here, where every every time someone does New York City, it's always dingy and dark and gray, and it's always gunmetal and 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 brown and brick. And I think that's true as to the real New York City. I think that's what the real city looks like. But it's pretty drab in a video game, you know, when you're muddled down with only two basic colors. Um, so I think it's coming together well. There it's there are definitely problems. Uh, uh, Lucio, and, Lucio and I ran into a, a couple of glitches, especially as we played later. Uh, and I don't know if, if that's server strain or if it's just like the cracks in the armor showing. Um, There's this especially kind of weird and annoying glitch where you could not properly interact with items. Um, and so that could delay you request and all that. Um, you know, it the entire game loads all at once. So you only have to deal with one loading screen for the most part, but it's a very long loading screen. Uh, It's understandable, but it'd be nice to actually mitigate it. Um, Otherwise, I didn't have much of a problem with it. I, I like the way gear works. Gear is more I think in my article, I kind of compared it to Bloodborne because you're not really upgrading. You're kind of side grading, and you have to give yourself stat priorities. So it's, it, if you want to do more DPS, or if you want more health, or if you want to uh, be better in your specialization, I was a medic. We had another friend playing a tech. Um, and, you know, that powering up those skills. So uh, what's the stat upgrade that helps you shoot black people better? <laughs> that would be the DPS upgrade. That would be the very first stat, and that's what Lucio for he went for the stat that helps you shoot black people better well he is he is latino Uh, (laughs) well you guys are always fighting over the same
2: territory he's got to be prepared
3: did you guys did you guys get a chance to do some pvp we did do some pvp and that was going to be my next thing because that was by far the coolest thing about this game um when you're playing it alone i think you're going to get bored quickly it it is pretty relaxing and you get to take in some sights and sounds but you know, let's be honest, that's going to be old Quake, especially in something that's like an ARPG or MMO, where you have to go through the areas again and again. And then the, the, the party experience is pretty cool. Um, you know, they have some proper dungeons and they have some proper bosses. And, um, you know, there was this one really cool boss fight that we underwent. But then once you get to the PvP zone, once you get to the dark zone, that's when the game like really lights up. That's when things start feeling super intense because PvP works like this. It's, it's you... And basically, any other player that's in the zone, right? And um, you have to race to get contaminated gear, which is some of the best stuff that you can get your hands on. Uh, you have to kill really strong enemies in order to get this gear. Like, they could, they can easily take you down in a few shots. Um, they can easily overwhelm you when it's over. I, I must have died, like, three times in that zone. Um, you kill those enemies, you, you work to tear them down, and then you get to pick up contaminated gear, and in order to keep that gear, you have to take it to a helicopter extraction. Now, at any point in trying to extract the gear, another player can kill you and take your gear and steal it away from you. Um, so we got out there, and, and it's kind of the situation where you really don't know who to trust. Like, I knew Lucio had my back, but all these other players out there, like, at any second, they could turn their guns on us and, and, just, and just start shooting and, and take our stuff. And in fact, we had encountered these two player killers, uh, uh, some Carito guy, because once you, once you shoot at someone, it tags you at open for PvP, and everyone in the zone can tell, oh, you're a player killer. Um, so there's this guy named Carito who, who we knew was a player killer, and he has other buddy with him. Um, and at one point, we're fighting for gear in the zone. Uh, I die, but Lucio manages to stay alive. He gets some gear. And I see, you know, just down the block, there's Carito and his other dude they're clocking Lucio. They're <laughs> just watching him. And I'm, saying, I'm telling Lucio over the mic, I'm like, dude, it's time to start walking. I don't care which direction you walk in. You just got to go. You got to leave now. Um, you know, and they start following us. So every so often, I turn, to look at them. They stop. You know, they freeze. It's like they're like green light. But it's like, you know, I know you two are watching us. I know you're trying to get his gear. Uh, you're not slick. So it, it, it's, it's we, we had to be very careful. We got him to the extraction zone safely. Um... But it's crazy. And and then, but the, the, you know, for as many player killers as we had, you had other players that were actually equally just as helpful because you would get to an area where you had to kill high-level enemies and um, these other players would have to help you kill them. And they would do things like resurrect you and heal you and you would do the same for them because you're all working for a similar purpose, killing these strong enemies to get gear. But once that gear drops, it's like, okay, who's going to shoot first and try and steal this stuff? Um, so I, don't, I, I thought that was, like, by far the best part of the game. It's the most intense part. I've never really seen a multiplayer like that. Like, you go into Grand Theft Auto online, and, you know, it's always going to be chaos and, and people just trying to kill everyone else, and that's whatever. But you go into this game, and it's just really, who do I trust? You know, I always got to be on my guard. And I, I, I had a blast with the PvP.
0: And that was the that was the part of the game that Michael and I got to play, too, was the kind of an an end of area like extraction segment. Yeah. And um, it's tough to gauge how well that actually works in the wild at a trade show because you're you're there to kill each other. Like (laughs) everybody just kills each other. Um, So I'll be curious to see how well it works,
3: you know, in the I, I didn't
2: I didn't have a lot of fun defending that crate for 15 minutes.
3: 15 minutes. Wow, we, we didn't we didn't have to defend it that long. Yeah, uh, you, yeah. you you probably
0: don't. Uh, the the demo <laughs> you know extracts like I said, you know the entire open world stuff. Like it gets rid of all that and just kind of does a very linear uh, path that you go down, and, and then kind of a firefight that breaks out at the end. And I I feel like it probably didn't do a great job of demonstrating how the dark zone actually works. Yeah, kind of agonizing.
3: Practice. Now, because extractions only last for two minutes, and it, that gives everyone just enough time to run to the extraction zone and defend it and, and get their shit off, and that's it.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, I, I think it's going to be interesting to see how it evolves because I feel like in games like this, the, the community, um, especially like in the beta and when everything is early on, no one really knows what they're doing. So, it's kind of like, you know, whenever you go into the woods, your mom or dad, like, oh, remember, the animals are just as scared as you as you are of them, but it's like, there are fucking wolves and bears out there. Like, I'm sure they might be scared of me, but they might also fucking maul me. Um, And that's what the Dark Zone feels like right now, but, you know, no one really knows what they're doing, no one, everyone's kind of in the same place as you, feeling things out. I'm sure as it evolves, you're going to have teams of people that are just dedicated to killing other, other people and hunting them down, like, the Purge kind of shit, um... You know, so it, it'll it be interesting, interesting to see if the division can kind of maintain what it has going right now, because I think that's what makes it most interesting. So it's really going to depend on the fan base and the player base for this game.
0: My hope would be that it turns into something kind of like an EVE Online sort of thing, where like these big uh, groups and clans and alliances rise out of it. And like there's some kind of almost politics to it. But I, that would be awesome. <laughs> but I think, the, I think the reality is probably it's just going to be like, if you see someone, shoot him. where is he shoot him Uh, that's what that's what i'm planning on but it'd be great if something else happened instead
3: yeah so so, uh,
0: is it is it a day one purchase for you like are you you feeling good about it i mean it worked it sounds like so that's a good sign yeah
3: i'm I'm actually feeling a lot better about it like i I was i was when i first saw the first uh, division presbyterial i was in love and then I guess like three years of Ubisoft disappointment came and hit me. And I think I can actually be excited about the division again. So I think I would I'm I would definitely grab this when it comes out in March. I wanna make sure that
0: I clarify that this is barely like the bare minimum of a compliment that I can can give. But I, I think <laughs> that Ubisoft of all the triple A devs is probably in like the top three for devs who might actually be able to successfully launch an online game <laughs> and have it be up. Right, um, right. I think they can do that. I don't think they can do a lot of other stuff, but I, I think they can pull that off, so that'll be cool.
3: I I think it's a lot more promising than the crew, too, right? Because they pulled all this very shady shit with the crew before it was out. Um, and, and you can always tell by how a company behaves around their game, how well they think it's going to do and how it's going to be received and uh they've been pretty open with the division and yeah i uh, you know there's there's not much that the the beta, but definitely changed my mind about it i think i definitely want to give this a go when it comes out uh, officially and there's a lot of stuff too that was locked in the beta that um that i just want to try out like you know um really class customization was still locked um crafting was still locked you know you get a base that you can build up and um a lot of that was locked so it 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 seems like it could be like fun stuff i don't i don't expect a ton of depth but i expect it to be like a nice distraction a nice waste of time cool all right speaking (laughs) of pleasant
0: surprises (laughs) michael you you got to play the latest game from tiny build (laughs) or not tiny (laughs) build um or is it Tiny Build? Shit. Yeah, Tiny Build. Yeah, Tiny Build, uh, which is their uh, their Steam port of uh, the mobile game Dungellot Shattered Lands. Yeah, and um, <laughs>
3: I thought it was
2: appropriate it. that we talk about it on the podcast because I can't play enough of it to review it because I fucking hate that game.
3: <laughs> oh, man. It
0: has, a, it has uh, actually pretty good scores on Steam. I know, and those people
2: are all wrong, like objectively wrong. <laughs> it is basically everything that is bad about gaming. Like even even if it was on like a time wasting device like an iPad, it would still be just a fucking annoying game. And so the idea is that you are like a dungeon delving guy. You start out as a paladin. You can be a vampire or a lady or something. But um,
3: a vampire or a lady.
2: Yes. <laughs> my favorite classes <laughs> Classic. you know at first I was actually kind of excited because in a in its own way it's all right so basically the premise is you you know climb a tower or fight your way into a dungeon I I don't know who gives a shit but um, each uh, l- like level of the dungeon is broken up into like um, I think they've got like 25 tiles and you get put into a location on each uh, floor and and you have to move like tile by tile. And as you uncover each tile, it'll be, you know, a blank, um, some treasure, a monster. And basically, you have to fight your way through the dungeon that way uh, to collect the key, to open up the door, move on to the next level. And at first, I was kind of excited because it's it's almost a little similar to Hand of Fate, which I watched Jared play. Oh, yeah. And I actually thought it was kind of fun because, like, they're. You have to have food, so you can traverse through the dungeon. If you run out of food, you'll start to starve. Um, And occasionally you'll run into, like, little story uh, cards, where it'll be like, you find a wounded traveler. Do you heal him? Do you slay him? Do you leave him? So that, I started out, and I'm like, okay, this this could be cool. And after, like, 15 minutes of it, I've done everything the game has to offer. So, basically, you just click through each tile, like, Fight a monster, fight it, or don't. It doesn't, doesn't fucking matter because you don't get experience. So the only reason to fight monsters is if you kill all the monsters in a level, you'll get a little gold reward. You can use the gold to, like, buy shit at a store. Um, but the problem is, like, every you know, every run, it's a roguelike, so you just start over when you die. So who gives a shit? You keep your gold in between so you can buy little upgrades, but by far and large, you just you can't fucking upgrade anything important. So... The only way to get through a single level, or you know, a single uh, like instance, is just you have to hope that you find some treasure that makes you invincible. Like they've got one item that'll heal you every time you go through a level, and otherwise, if you don't get it, you're just kind of fucked. Like the game just is tougher than you, and you can't do anything about it except hope you find magical treasure. Hmm. So I think I've played the game for like three fucking hours, and I've hated every fucking minute of it.
0: I'm looking through the reviews, and uh, yeah, you're definitely in the minority. 108 positive reviews and nine negative ones. Sounding a little casual, Michael. They, you know, Douglas, I would
2: hit you word, not a hate crime.
0: They compare it to Minesweeper, but nothing you described oh, sounds like Minesweeper. Clicking
2: on the tiles, that's it. Like, you, who knows what's behind this tile? Oh, a monster. Yep, that's Minesweeper.
0: Oh, so just something hidden. But So is Wheel of Fortune also Minesweeper?
2: Yes. Oh. Everything is Minesweeper, Jared.
0: I had never thought of it like that until just that. Hand of Fate
2: is definitely Minesweeper. Oh, that souls, you, minesweeper. Stuff, stuff flips oh, over yeah, in Hand yeah. of
0: Fate. That's true. I didn't think about that
2: uh Solitaire is also Minesweeper. I mean,
0: don't get me wrong. I'm not upset that like the game didn't, you know, <laughs> add up to its claim to be like Minesweeper. Like, boy, what a way to get people excited for your. <laughs> I mean, that
3: definitely excited me. Like, Michael,
1: would you have rather have played Minesweeper than this game?
0: Oh, yeah, cool question.
2: Because like Minesweeper has an element of strategy, like.
1: not okay.
0: Let me, not give, a lot, let, me but... let me let me let me add something here. Okay. Uh, it's a special version of Minesweeper that I made for you. It plays just like regular Minesweeper, but if you click wrong and a bomb goes off, uh, the whole screen will flash a picture of like a deformed penis. Huh. And they're random. It goes through like a whole bunch of them. Now, would you rather play it?
1: For how long?
0: Mm, how long did you play Dungeon Lot?
2: uh let me check probably like three or four hours Ooh, ouch <laughs> well i i sincerely intended to review it at first but like i came to a point where i hate it too much to continue
0: yeah four hours oh wow a lot of these reviews are just like uh 0.5 hours uh some of them are, are more than that but yeah a lot of most of them don't go past the hour and a half mark before they gave it uh, a great review um, j is games gave it 10 out of 10 saying it is a big beautiful <laughs> casual roguelike that brings strategy and charm in equal measure
2: well you know what j's games
0: you're a fucking liar <laughs> all right so dungeon we're gonna cross that one off the to buy list
2: do not buy
0: let's um why don't we hit on fire emblem real quick here uh oh, are we we're not buying Ooh, that Fire that? Emblem cuz that that came uh that that came out this week um and I think we have a unique experience here because you're playing it right, Doug?
1: Huh? Yeah, no, I'm playing right now.
0: You're playing it right this second. And yeah. um so Doug, uh Nintendo did something that I think is kind of weird, uh which is that they made two games, they made three technically, but they made two three games. games. Uh uh and they You could get
3: three games for the price of three.
0: They they marketed them very similarly to uh to like a, a Pokemon kind of method where they have like different covers, and they each play in different ways, uh, you know. Uh, but it, the difference is Pokemon. Got to catch all the white Pokemon is you're pretty much getting the same exact game uh, with just minor differences, right? Like like different monsters and stuff. But in Fire Emblem, they're actually two completely different games. And here's what I find so weird about it is, uh, one of them is called uh, Birthright. And uh, that's basically the one for pussies, <laughs> and uh, it's 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 for babies. And the baby you can give it to your child, and they can push the buttons until they win. <laughs> and then, and then there's conquest, uh, which I guess is like a fucking nightmare. That's like, the one
3: for manly men.
0: Like a, it, 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 this game seriously has like a Dark Souls level of difficulty hype, which I don't know that I've seen that yet but I'm also told that I'm not quite to the part where the game gets just absolutely miserable to
3: uh, You know, to before we continue in that direction, I've, I've had this conversation over Awakening, and I had a, a friend of mine who literally couldn't believe. This friend called me a liar because I told him that I was playing um, Fire Emblem Awakening on the hard difficulty, whatever it was, that permanently kills your character. I forget what it's called. Um, it's,
0: if uh, it's two settings. One is like an overall difficulty, Uh, And then there's and then there's like the classic mode where your characters die. And
3: so I played it on hard and I played it on classic and my friend was like, oh, you're fucking liar, You didn't pass it because, you know, my friend uh, could not pass this game like like, you know, she couldn't she couldn't beat it herself. So she didn't believe that anyone else was able to do it. Um, And I'm like, you know, Fire Emblem Awakening was super easy to break, I actually went overboard with uh creating my character classes because I wanted super babies. Um so I had a lot of um of my parental generation in the game that could just roll over any enemy that they encountered. And um and I I, I found anyone that kind of described the game as, as hard to be i i don't know i i feel like i feel like you know you have this claim that you want this claim to the difficulty to prove that you got like this gamer cred and i i didn't find it that hard I,
0: I, don't, <laughs> didn't. I don't think i did either like i had i had a a team of super babies by the end and i remember uh literally like probably uh killing the end boss in, in a single round with my super baby
3: yeah, I think I think I even had to stretch out rounds because I killed people too fast and I wanted my other characters to level up as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I definitely drew the game out longer than I should have. And um, What about you, Doug? Yeah, did, you, did you play Awakening? I did. Did you think it was hard? Uh,
0: no, not particularly. not
1: particularly. I mean, Awakening and the thing with uh, Birthright is they let you grind and so basically you can just make the game easy.
0: Right. So in Conquest, you can't. Uh, in Conquest, you can play the missions in the order they come, and uh, that's it. There's nothing to do in between missions. Uh, if you And so there is a lot more opportunity. I will say this, regardless of whether or not the difficulty aspect is true. Uh, in Conquest, there's definitely an opportunity to uh, pigeonhole yourself, where like you grow the wrong units and you distribute experience in the wrong way. And then you get stuck as a result, like you, you can't go any further in the game, kind of like XCOM, right? Like you can just have a situation where you've outright failed and we'll have to start over.
1: I, it's almost worse, I'd say, because in XCOM, you can just kill a shitty soldier and get a new one.
0: Yeah, I guess that's in, true. In huh? this
1: one, if you kill all your soldiers, you, well, you just lost. Like, oops, <laughs> shouldn't, shouldn't have did that. Uh, see,
3: I could, I, I could see how that. Ha- have fun playing game. with Donald. You know, I, 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 you see, that's the thing. I, I, can, I, can, I can see how that makes the game difficult because I remember the thing that was so hard about the Donald fight in Awakening is that you didn't have the chance to grind by that point. You were just kind of following the story, and I think he's like something like the fourth mission or something in the game, and, and it's like, okay, now you have to save this asshole, and it's um, really hard, and I, I, I know a lot of people gave up, but I, I went through with it, and I only lost one unit, but it was still, like, the most difficult battle I think I faced in the entire game. So if they made an entire game like that <laughs> where I don't really have room to maneuver, um, I can see how that one gets kind of intense. So I guess what I find so
0: weird about this is that to the casual consumer, there's no indicator that that's how any of this works. Like you don't. Uh,
3: no, up. no. One has a black sc-
0: has a black uh, I, cover. I guess. and That's how you tell things are hardcore. I guess if you pick up Conquest, I mean, everybody, I guess, looks tougher. Um, but it's, <laughs> it's something where like. You don't flip over the box, and it's like, this one's hard, by the way. Like, it's, it's just like, fuck you. Here you go.
3: Uh, so it's like, would you, would you say it's better is to say Conquest had, like, the A-team on the cover, and if Birthright had um, ponies?
0: I mean, yeah, sure. That would probably describe it about right. Uh,
1: Is, does Conquest have Camilla on the cover? Because that's going to screw a lot of people over. It
0: does. It does. So yeah, oh. if you like if you like big old knockers, then you're actually going to wind up with the hardest version of the game. <laughs> uh, Man, I I gotta
2: say, like I was I was having a uh, relaxing evening at home watching Adult Swim the other day, and they play a commercial for this. And it looks like, you know, it was like a oh, fun classic uh, JRPG. And then I see those Hooters and I'm like, damn, maybe I should get a PSP so I can play this thing. <laughs> and then it gets to the it gets to the end. and It's like you can play one of these two games. And it was like immediately I'm flaccid like I got to buy two. No, thank you.
0: I mean, and so that's... I'll just uh,
2: go look at some tits on the internet.
0: We don't have the answer yet. Well, that's what Lucio's going to do. I think we'll both have to beat it. But what I'm... I'm curious about a couple things. So, first off, let me set the stage here for how it works. So, you start the game, and the first six levels, the first six missions, are identical in both games. Uh, So, you start out in your... uh, You've basically... The story is you were born to this one family called the Hoshido clan, and uh early on in your life you are kidnapped by uh this other clan called the Nor clan and they're kind of uh, uh two two warring factions basically so you get raised in nor and uh nor is this weird thing where uh the king is basically like i mean he's he's like hitler like he's super evil <laughs> But but for whatever reason, all of his kids are like the Brady Bunch. Like they're just the happiest. Like if they all broke into song, you'd be like, oh cool. And it's this really kind of weird dynamic where they're they're it's this super happy family of siblings that like love each other and want to hug and are on like seventh heaven practically. Uh, And but they're all also really afraid of being murdered by their dad. Um, That's a valid fear. You're not afraid of being murdered by your dad. And so I guess sometimes. Uh, that was
2: the subplot to the Brady Bunch. I
0: guess that's part of any good <laughs> any good dad situation. Uh, but it, so anyway, you you get into a couple scuffles with uh, with your your clan that you're actually uh, born from, and uh, they wind up kind of kidnapping you back and telling you the whole story about how you were stolen. And so in the sixth mission, some pretty crazy shit goes down. And you basically get the choice of whether you want to continue uh, with your with your family that raised you in Nor, or you want to go back to your birth family, uh, you know who who loves you and misses you. And the birth family are very much objectively the good guys. Like it's it's very <laughs> obvious. The, it's a the, little annoying. The choice is super clear. Like they're they're obviously the right path to go down. And you could argue based off the difficulty of the games. That's arguably the game they want you to play first as well, well because if you beat Conquest, you're probably going to be kind of bored going through uh, the significantly simpler Birthright.
3: Um, let, let, let me let me just say this: what I found really odd about Nintendo's pulled a lot of weird moves with this game, but what I found particularly odd about the marketing of this game is um, they have like this flowchart, which is supposed to uh, quote help you purchase which game and unquote. Um, And it's like, do you value family or friends more? So if you value friends more, then you go with nor. If you value family more, then you go with Birthright. Mm -hmm. But it sounds more like the situation is, do you value family or complete strangers more? (laughs) But the strangers are the good guys. Um, Sort of, yeah. The answer is gold. (laughs) Because, you know, if they fucking raise you and, and they fucking love you and all this kind of stuff, then they're your family. You know? So when you when you get the choice, uh,
0: it's a it's a weird choice because it also comes with potentially a, a, a dollar sign, uh, because you can right then decide, oh yeah, I guess I will go with my birth family. But if you do that, you're gonna have to pay twenty dollars to purchase the digital <laughs> version of Birth Riot. Um, so that's what's kind of weird about it. now. That that's a discount. That's fifty percent off what the what the game normally would cost. Uh, and it sounds like both games have about 30 hours worth of content, which is roughly what you had in the original Awakening 2. So, I mean, it's not the end of the world. It's not the worst thing ever, but it is just really kind of I don't like that it's tied to a choice like that where like (laughs) it's literally like a moral choice and making it is going to largely be determined by how much money you want to (laughs) spend.
3: Well, it's kind of like, you know, it it feels very cynical to me. Like it feels like, oh, well, the West finally has a taste for Fire Emblem. Um, You know, now let's let's squeeze every drop out of it now that it's popular everywhere. Um, Our big American dicks can afford it. I, I, I think that's the first thing that really turned me off to it because I was initially very uh, amped. I saw the very first trailer. I'm like, oh, good, a new Fire Emblem. Um, and I was very much the same. Like, I, I, I was kind of mad at them. I think I played three Fire Emblem games all together. Um, and when I saw uh, The Fates was coming out, I'm like, oh, this is great. I can't wait to get this. And then they announced this bullshit plan as to how they're going to split the story. And that just completely turned me off to experiencing any of it. Now it's totally... if I ever do buy it. If I ever do buy it, I'm just going to stick to conquest and that's it. It's totally possible
0: that I'll finish conquest and it'll have a satisfying uh, ending and I'll just say, okay, cool. Um, and if that's the case, I will probably be more favorable to the game. Uh, then, then if I, if I finish it and it's like to be continued, play the other one to see what happens next, you know, like <laughs> I'll be, I'll be a little bummed out if they do that, but, uh,
3: conquest tells, what well, and then you still is... got to play a third part.
0: Yeah. There is a, there is a third, uh, DLC pack that comes out next month that is, uh, listed as the true ending where both clans team up together to, to fight someone and, uh, minorities, I don't know who I am not that.
3: <laughs> I've gone to New York to fight looters. Not
0: Damn super it. clear. Doug on beat that me one. to it. But uh, I don't know. It it's it's a it's a curious choice. Um, it's kind of weird. Like I said that there's really no warning or inclination aside from everyone looking tougher in nor um, <laughs> I I don't know there's there's something strange about it. And you're right that flowchart they made is super weird and Uh, I I don't know. Anyway, it's Fire Emblem. It's still a lot of fun. Um, I guess we should probably touch on the translation.
3: Yeah, I was about to ask you about that. You linked this cutscene earlier that I just found fucking bizarre i didn't it makes no sense from a localization standpoint (laughs)
0: this is the weirdest shit uh so the last game was translated by uh 8-4 i think that's what they're called 8-4 they they do a podcast and i remember actually listening to their podcast where they talked about uh translating uh awakening and a lot of people don't like 8-4 because they take a lot of liberties and a lot of kind of creative uh, leaps with their translations. So they don't mind rewriting a character if they think it's just more in spirit with what a North American audience will enjoy. Um, Having said that, I thought Awakening's translation was, was pretty okay. Uh, I
3: I liked it. I mean, I, I, I I, I can't recall anything off, off the cuff, but I remember there being a few cute conversations. Like I I know there's especially some, a lot of adorable stuff with, uh, Lucina and Krom and all that kind of stuff. So it was, it was cute. It was nice.
0: And uh, I mean, Fire Emblem does have a proud tradition of being translated like ass. So it's kind of a, it's kind of a staple of the series that <laughs> you're, you're not gonna get, you know, uh, the, the right experience anyway. But my problem kicks in here where, <laughs> the this uh, Fates was done by Treehouse, which is like Nintendo's internal company, and it looks like they just didn't fucking care at all, or, or they were too busy like. I'm not saying so. This- so
3: so what, what? What intern was it that wrote in a conversation of all ellipses?
0: Right. So there's <laughs> this there's this video that I just that we just saw today where uh, these two ninjas, when you pair them up with each other and they begin to like fall in love with one another, they have like this big long conversation, like like a probably thirty or forty you know dialogue panes worth of stuff. And the exact same conversation in the English translation is literally just them looking at each other and saying nothing. (laughs) Uh, for like four panels uh and i mean like that's how i romance i understand when you i understand a little bit when you translate so like there's one character who uh when when they translated him in the japanese game i guess he like mentions pickles once or twice but for the american one they're like well they won't get that he really really loves pickles and so they literally made like everything he says be about pickles (laughs) and he talks about like swimming in the brine and how his love for you is like a delicious sour pickle. I mean, he's just fucking ridiculous. But you know what? I get that. But I don't get just translating it with nothing. Like just putting nothing there and being like, ah, it's just fine." That's plenty. That's all they that need. Uh, it's so weird. It's so strange. And I mean, there's all the other stuff they've cut out like the tickle mini game and I guess I get it like i don't
3: i mean it's i don't know it is nintendo's always been uh, really on the on the sensitive end of censorship like on the oversensitive end like they don't want even a chance of offending someone so i want to
1: tickle my waifu
3: <laughs> I i would very much like to tickle camilla as well but i won't get that she's not my waifu who is your waifu i don't know Who's, the, who's uh, the blonde one with like tro hair? Is her name? Like, wait, wait! Or you or don't something? know because you haven't decided,
2: or you don't know because you don't care what her name is. I haven't decided. Ah, uh, okay.
0: Are you, are you leaning any any one direction? Well, there's one. I don't really like her
1: look, but she's like my best character, and so I feel like I owe it to her. Like I'm, I have. To, <laughs> she has to be my wife because she's just sniping people out the blue.
0: Seen in conquest, that is Camilla. Like she's so overpowered, it's kind of stupid.
1: Noco's pretty good. Having she's, she's said that, good the
0: mission where you get her is also kind of ridiculous. So it, it, it's nice that she is overpowered, but like you'll, you'll just send Camilla in somewhere and just let everyone rush her and try and kill her. And she'll just wipe out whole chunks of the
3: map. That reminds me of, um, of Cordelia because Cordelia was definitely my favorite from the last game um, of the parent generation. And I, I feel like her mission was something similar where she was like cut off by all these forces and had to fly alone. And, um, uh, I, unfortunately, she didn't become my waifu. Um, or did she? Who did I marry in that game? Maybe it was Cordelia. I forget. <laughs> I forget. I think, no, I might have paired her off with Donnell just because I wanted a very, very overpowered Severa. Um, and she was. She was super overpowered.
0: Something else that's kind of weird. I mean, there's a lot of things that are kind of weird. Is they're so worried about this tickling thing where you can tickle people. But they're... <laughs> nobody's concerned about the fact that you can marry your siblings like your immediate siblings you know you know you know
3: what's, what's really what's really great is that um in awakening was marrying your best friend's daughter
0: yeah that's pretty weird her.
3: too <laughs> that's, that's pretty that's, weird that's too hot.
0: um but like i'm gonna marry i'm gonna marry this shit out of camilla and uh she is. Yeah. She is Definitely my sister.
3: I mean, it's not. I mean, it's not a problem in Conquest because you're not related by blood.
0: Right. So it doesn't but matter then what as much. But
3: birthright. But
0: birthright's downright creepy. Like that's <laughs> birth, birthright's like a chromosome collector or something. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. There. So
3: in 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 Conquest, you basically have a kind of lost situation with Boone and uh, and his stepsister. But then, with birthright, what you basically have is uh, Jamie and Cersei Lannister.
0: Right. Yeah, that's a good comparison. Yeah, I'm I'm Boone and Shannon, and Doug is Jamie Lannister.
3: <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, also, a, a, another curious choice. Uh, they did include. It's it's so. I I think it's a curious choice, but I don't understand why someone would get mad about it. I guess because it's like you you got what you want. Why can't you just have it? But. Uh, they finally included homosexual relationships, but yeah, but they split them in games. But lesbians are relegated to birthright, <laughs> and uh yeah, and, and male 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 relationships are relegated to conquest. But that's
3: not that's not going to just. I I guess there are people out there whose choice it would dictate, but that's not going to dictate my choice at all. I'm but but go, some well, people
0: are like mad about it. Like they're upset that they can't have both. I, I, it is, and it's
3: weird that you would split it like that, right? It's like because I don't think so. I, I think that pretty, makes perfect sense. You think it makes perfect sense? I, I don't, don't think. There's, I don't you, think not there's
0: everybody is a lesbian. I don't think there's anything manlier than slamming a guy in the ass. Like, <laughs> so like, like that fits shit. in with that fits in with conquest like shit. hardcore mode. You know, birth rights. I'm going to get that booty. <laughs> birth rights like eh, I lick the pussy, but conquest is like here you here it comes here comes the thunder. You know. <laughs> so that's just about right but anyway i'll have to include that in comparison in the review um let's see we've got two other games i want to make sure we're talking about we're already at like the hour mark so let's let's hit them real quick well we gotta we gotta keep in that conversation about slamming that. Well, yeah i can't cut that out how can i cut that out um let's let's hit let's hit kona first real fast whatever you do whatever you do don't drop the soap in Conquest. No, definitely don't, uh, because they're, you're asking for it in that one. So, you you played Kona this last, I guess it's probably been almost two weeks now. It was like right after uh, one of the It was last right podcasts. after three weeks ago. Yeah, whatever. It, the point is, is you, you played it, and you, you played it back at PAX as well. Yeah, um,
2: and um, I don't need to talk about it at great length, um, because it's still in early access and whatnot, but... Uh, I just kind of want to let people know that this game is, you know, coming out, and I think it's actually pretty sweet. So, what is it? So, the game takes place in like 1970s uh, northern Quebec. Like, it's in a takes place in a little mining Ew, town.
3: Canada? No. I'm not. Well,
2: I know, I know. I was repulsed at first too, but <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's uh, it takes place in this like little mining, like not even a town. It's like a settlement that's in the middle of this like horrendous blizzard. And you play this, uh, you're just like a private eye who came to town to investigate like some vandalism for this wealthy mine owner. And you show up in town and everybody's gone. And you start at the general store and you just start piecing things together and trying to figure out where everybody went. And it's just, I mean, in a way you could probably qualify it as a walking simulator. Uh, like I haven't was played. was going to
0: be my question, of course.
2: And I don't I don't know yet because I, you know, I've only played a little sample uh, just based like a small portion of chapter one. But so far, I mean, yeah, it's it's you're you're walking through and clicking through a story and you solve a little bit of puzzles. And but I don't know what it is, but there's something about this game that I really find one just a little scary because you are like just by yourself. Um, Do you know think you,
3: is it does, does it look like it's going in in terms of an actual
0: yeah like is it is it building to something like like
3: yeah is it like is there like a, it's going to be an act is it going to be an actual thriller or an actual horror or is it just going to be like another the twist is nothing
0: well all right, <laughs> or, so or will they go the fire watch route and it was a prank because i'd be in for that <laughs> well
2: you know here's the thing
0: yeah, is, all,
3: all the miners uh got together because they were all gay and they they took in airplane <laughs> out of there well
2: that'd be Kind of horrifying.
3: I mean I was banning the gone home. Uh,
2: <laughs> that's
0: right. Everybody's gay. I don't know why, but I really like that idea. <laughs> that's, that's good. And you get deeper and deeper into the mind expecting to find a ghost and instead you just find like some printed out Delta tickets <laughs> to like Porto Viarda. <laughs> We're going to Fire Island, sweetie. <laughs> Let's go to the beach. <laughs> <laughs> it's so cold here.
3: I'm <laughs> um, that book of a tone.
2: So, like the thing is, like uh, right from the get go, the game is kind of like giving off this uh, Twin Peaks vibe, and I'm really into that. So, when I played it at Pax, like I just kind of wandered around like a stupid idiot. Like I found nothing, I solved nothing, and I still really enjoyed it. But, uh, you know, I, I have been kind of worried that it's going to, you know, I'll get to the end of the game. And I was like, yeah, oh, it was nothing. It was just just mean old Mr. Mendelsohn in a mask. <laughs> but um, so in in this game, it's already I've already determined like it's not going to be just nothing. Like the character right. is already having like spiritual visions. And now I think I'm kind of worried about the opposite where. I think a little would go a long way for a game like this. Like it's got mm-hmm. it's got a really good setting. You know, it's creepy. There's nothing.
0: Do you think like by the end maybe you're a wizard or something? Well,
2: you know, I think like <laughs> if I get to the end of this game and I have to fight an old god, like it's just it's I'm gonna be totally disappointed.
0: Yeah, that might be okay. I don't I played a, uh, I played a game that's kind of similar. Matter of fact, it's a game that reminds me a lot of Kona uh it was uh oh, what is it? it's called hidden on the trail of the ancients and i don't know if we ever mm-hmm. talked about it and
3: yeah yeah but it kind
0: of has like some love and stuff and it also has there is a person that you encounter we were talking about this the other day where we were wondering uh i was i was specifically wondering in firewatch you never see another person really uh at least not one with like a detailed face and i wondered if that was because they just didn't know how to make one like not necessarily because <laughs> the narrative called for it but just because they're like i don't know how to do that just make her be gone when he gets there and uh i think i think kona kind of i i might be slightly suspicious about the same thing
2: no but... most certainly because um at one point you do find a person frozen in ice And it's, like, the shittiest mock-up, like, human model they could have done. It looks like it's 15 years old, so... I I
3: feel like a lot of games pull that, though. I feel like a lot of games, like, oh, we can't actually model people so we're going to do some quirky style to hide. Right. Well, and
0: I'm... Oh, no, no, this
2: is not, like, this is not, like, there's a style to it. This is just, like... We spent twenty dollars to make this model.
0: The reason I mentioned right. hidden <laughs> uh, in particular is because they do go ahead uh, for the for the first part of the game. I was like, oh, there's probably no people in this game, and then I encountered somebody. There's one guy in the first chapter that you actually run into, and it probably would have
3: been better if they just didn't have him. He <laughs> doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, you know. I I I feel like I, I reference this game a lot, uh, and I, I guess that's because it did a lot of clever stuff and um and no one really saw it because it was a Wii game but it's um you know Shattered Memories and you, the Silent Hill franchise it's always been oh you're in this empty town and so you never really run into any, anyone else and um I remember Shattered Memories was the first game I played that actually made Silent Hill feel alive like it didn't feel like um this mysterious spooky ghost town it felt like people actually lived there but there was a reason as to why you didn't see everyone and um And it just pulled it up really good because it still had this sense of dread and this sense of kind of isolation. Um, But it showed at the same time that this is like a populated place. So it didn't just feel straight up empty. Like, I guess, I don't know, a lot of these games kind of feel um, kind of weirdly empty to me.
2: And, you know, I, uh, I think that would actually be a really cool thing they could do with this game if I like went to the general store and there was a guy there or like I could go to the town bar and like talk to the residents and, you know, kind of like Kind of like built upon that Twin Peaks, um, right. kind of like this is a creepy town with something going on, but it has like these characters, and which is I don't think that's what they're going to do. I think it's going to be more like a straight you know investigation puzzle game, and um, you know what, it, it, like I said, I have my concerns because it's like it's already gone a little like overboard, or I don't even think this is a spoiler, but I uh, I was wondering like so I wonder if there's like a monster or if there's going to be like an evil being. And if you go onto the Steam page, it says right there in like the description, like we can't tell you why, but there's a windigo wandering around the forest. <laughs> <laughs> and I felt like that really,
0: uh, I really think you some, pronunciation some of is windingo. <laughs> this is I do have to comment. It's, it, I, I I love the setting, and I'm actually probably going to be more forgiving if they tap into like a supernatural thing, but I don't feel like this is an appropriate game for early access. Like it's not the type of game. Uh, that i want to play like unfinished because it feels very story based right Mm -hmm. like it's kind of curious i'd rather have seen uh like what hidden did which is it's just it's a multi-part game so they released chapter one like because i understand the way that funding works now sometimes you just don't have those options Mm -hmm. um but uh i would much rather have I i don't know it just feels like early access isn't the most appropriate way yeah I don't um it it's kind of rough in
2: its early access state. like it's still fun like i've I've, I've talked enough shit on it now. I want to say like i'm I really had a good time like just playing around exploring. Um, one of the things is you know you're in the middle now, of this this is complimentary for
3: you hmm? right exactly I said, I said this is complimentary for you
2: and you know one of the things it does that I really like is that it this isn't working in the in the early access, but your character can freeze to death. So like if you don't get access to like heat, you'll just you'll die. Oh, so there's
0: there's like a game in it.
2: Exactly. And even just adding that little aspect really makes it more engaging for me because there will be times where I'm like wandering out through the woods and I realize like, man, I'm a long way from the nearest house. And again, you know, I wasn't in danger because it didn't work that way then, but I could see it being, you know, something that could actually be a, you know, a real challenge. And it's in the chapter that I've played so far, like there was never a time where I was like so far away that I couldn't walk to warmth. So I hope in later chapters, they make it a little more, uh, vicious, but, um, I really like that aspect. Uh, you have a car or you have a truck that you can actually like get in and drive. And it's like, you know, a beat up old 1970s pickup truck. And I don't know why, but that just, it's, it was very nostalgic of like growing up in Montana. And not that I lived in like one of these old mind isolated hamlets, but, you know, I only had to go like a couple of miles in any one direction and I could go to a place like this. And I don't know if it's like, especially accurate to 1970s, Northern Quebec, but you know, it felt, it felt pretty good. Just kind of walking through it and exploring and, you know, going from house to house and looking in on these people's lives. And so, uh, you know, I've got some concerns about it, but it's, it's pretty sweet. And I hope that, uh, I hope that other people will see it and, you know, take a look and hopefully give it a try. Because I, I think it's they've got something pretty cool there.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I I think like Jay said, for you, that actually is pretty uh, complimentary for a game of this type. Because I. I even- right.
2: And I think, you know, normally when we talk about walking simulator type games, like I. I don't think there's anything wrong with it, but it's definitely not something that I find to be engaging. Like, it's just not something that I find to tell a not even tell a story, but like, it's not what I want to spend my time on, but in a game like this, you know, I think they could pull it off in a way that really, uh, has something there for people who don't even necessarily like this type of game.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I like the sound of that.
2: So I hope they, uh, I hope they nail it.
0: Well, cool. I'm looking forward to it. Me too. Um, we're, uh, Let's hit on Grimdawn. I do want to talk about it a little bit. We'll go over a little bit and, and, uh, and, and chat about it. <laughs> now, I'm being very complimentary when I say that because what I actually mean is I couldn't give any less shit <laughs> about Grimdawn. Uh, it sounds like the worst game ever. Um,
3: <coughs> well,
0: I, I, gen- I, I guess I want to
3: understand. Why, 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 do you, why does it sound so terrible to you?
0: I, it's just it's, just a, it's, a, um, a, it's a bad... It's a bad kind of game. Like, it's the bad it's kind thing. of game. Like, there's, it's, the good... it's an... <laughs>
3: there's the good... Well, it's an ARPG, thing. and we talked about an ARPG at the beginning of the podcast. You and I have a
0: different opinion there, because... Uh, well, actually, wait. What was the ARPG we talked about at the beginning? Dungeon the, di-
3: the Division. We talked about The Division.
0: See, no, I don't agree with that
3: at all. Um, well, what's not to agree with? First this, of all... This is, is more like Diablo. Class- that's not my classification. So let's start right there. Okay? It's, it's m- the classification for... The, the vision is an ARPG. That's this looks more like
2: hero like,
3: um, and and hero like an <laughs> ARPG as well. I mean, all this shit is ARPG. The, RP, the ARPG gameplay loop is very simple. You go out, you do quests, you kill mobs, you get loot, um, you level up, and you you dash your points into the class, and then you do it all over again. That's just it's just just what it is. And you know you have these interactive interfaces. So that's the, that's what it is. Um, it's, I, I can understand if you don't like the more kind of Diablo style. Right. That's, that they go under. that's where
0: the issue, like, I, I, I won't dispute. Sure. Like it is an action RPG just like Zelda or secret of mana, but you're never going to be able to like make a comparison between secret of mana and Diablo. Like I'm never going to see, I guess the cameras. Well, and I,
3: I wouldn't, I, I guess I would class secret of mana a bit differently. Um, You know what's an interesting bridge between them? And I'll just only talk about this for a few seconds. Um, I've been playing something that's still in early access called Secrets of Grindia. And it's kind of what you were saying with with Fire Emblem kind of being deceptive with its difficulty. You look at this game. It's a really fucking cutesy game with cutesy art. And and it looks like, I, I guess a friend of mine described it as looking like an ascended RPG maker game. And then you play this and it's fucking hard as shit. And it feels like a middle ground somewhere between Secret of Mana and and, uh, between games like Grim Dawn and Path of Exile. Um, And if you, I don't know, if you just want to get your hands on the demo and and give that one a shot, I would would go ahead and and give it a go. But, um, you know, it's got some Zelda elements too. But Grim Dawn, you know, for me, part of the fun in all action RPGs, no matter what you want to classify it as, um, is getting to build your class. You know, so... I think um, in the division, it was getting to build my meta class and in Grindia, it was getting to build whatever crazy build I could come up with. Um, you know, even to degree, I-, I guess something like Bloodborne where it's more about getting the weapons that's, that's going to complement your build. So Grim Dawn's focus is really in that element of the ARPG experience. Like if you want a really detailed class building experience, then Grim Dawn is where you go because that's got to be the most depth I've ever seen in terms of being able to build your class in a video game. Um, You know, it it feels like with the class step, it goes way beyond what Diablo is offering, where you just pick, you know, your one class up front and then just build the trees as you see fit. Um, It goes way beyond Path of Exile, where you're stuck with these few characters and, and you level up to your first level and you get a choice between one of three classes, um, the soldier, the Nightblade, the arcanist, the shaman, um, the, um, the demolitionists and, uh, the, the occultists and, um, you know, each one works, can can work very differently depending on how you upgrade them. So let's take the occultist, just an example, which is a, a, a very warlocky class, right? And you can focus them so that their skill is based around fire or the skill is based around blood magic or the skill is based around uh, cursing the enemies. um, you know, Nightblade, which is kind of your rogue class, works in a similar way where you can base it around subterfuge or you can base it around um, ice magic and slowing enemies and all this shit. Then, you know, you can use any weapon you want with any class. So, you know, your your mage can use guns, you know, your soldier can use bows and arrows. It's a crazy upside down world. Then once you hit level 10, you get to pick a second class. And that's where a lot of the modification starts to come with. So you're experimenting with synergies and all that kind of stuff. So it's a real, real, you know. And it's not like, you know, using Fire Emblem as an example again, where you can pigeonhole yourself. You can't do that in Grim Dawn because anything can work. Like anything you imagine can work with that build. Um, You know, I think if you look at anything else in the game, I think if you look at the, the screenshots, it does look a little uninspired. It has this weird post-apocalyptic Victorian London feel that's going on. That's that's kind of a hodgepodge of a bunch of different stuff. I think you described it as looking like um, Van Helsing Van. Starred, <laughs> starring Hugh Jackman. Yeah, Van Helsing um, with Hugh Jackman. Everyone's
0: everyone's <laughs> favorite Hugh Jackman movie.
3: Um, yeah, and and but it's funny that it's funny because we had this con- that conversation. I agreed with you, but they actually just recently released an update that upgraded a lot of the areas and they look a lot better than they did through a lot of early access and uh, you know they're getting ready to launch so i guess it's time to fix up all the artwork spruce it up a little bit so um you have this one temple location that was just a bunch of really collapsed walls and just a bunch of dirt and it was very boring and now it looks like this grand temple that was built to the titans praising them um you know and and that's that's really that's really the grim dawn experience like your 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 quests are pretty typical you're going to go out kill whatever target they give you and collect whatever item they give you it's a, it's a it's smart questing system because you can collect items without actually having the quests so it's not like oh okay i kept i i killed 100 fucking uh thousand zombies that i never got a single piece from them. I didn't get their eyeballs or lungs or whatever. They're going to drop it all the time. So once you find the quest and if you've already completed, then you've already completed it. Uh, the game doesn't punish you for not returning to town and picking up the quest. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's nothing in terms of character building, honestly, like, like in terms of creating your character, you're stuck with either, um, uh, the dude or the girl, you pick their gender and then you name them and you're off. Um, but in terms of the class building, it's just really, really deep and it's 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 kinda of the the sky's the limit in terms of how you want to build it. And um it, it's it's especially great for those people that just wanna grab their little talent calculators and endlessly uh uh work on their builds. My my personal favorite build is this um roguish lady that I made with a lot of ice magic, so she does a pretty good job of uh controlling mobs and freezing them and, and one-shotting them. Meanwhile, I have another crazy friend who, who created a guy. You know, my, my build is very complex to, to play. I, cre- I have a friend who created a guy that only has one attack. But because of his build, that's all he needs. And he can use that to eliminate entire maps. Um, so it's really really anything you can think up in terms of doing that. So if you love, if you love that, if you love like class-building mechanics, if you like that in a video game, the Grim Dawn is definitely gonna be super addictive. If you play ARPGs for other reasons, um probably not as much. It it's still you're still gonna get like a lot of fat loot. You're still gonna get a lot of cool items like, oh I I want an axe that's also a blade. or I want um pauldrons that are on fire. So you're gonna be able to do all that. But um See, So I, I
0: generally like the ones that lean more towards narrative than like my I think my right. biggest issue with Diablo, aside from the fact that I just find like the general control scheme to be Just really boring to interact with. Like for a game that has action in the title, I certainly don't feel like it's very action packed. Um, But but beyond that, it's kind of like how you're just you're always in a dungeon. And like I mean, there's there's the town, but it's kind of a messed up town. I I don't know. (laughs) (laughs)
3: Well, you're in you're in a prison. You're in the prison industrial complex. That's your town. Uh, Yeah.
0: um
2: (laughs) So yeah, even that sounds like. So if you're like me and the the skill trees in Fallout 4 are already too much work like it doesn't sound like this kind of game is going to be for me.
3: Oh, I, I, but I, I think Fallout I think Fallout 4 failed at its skill tree entirely. Like I think that's a different issue. Fallout 4 skill uh, tree feels like
0: too much work because nothing is where it should be for no reason whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. And so it's like, it, it's not like, there's no natural evolution to it. It's not like, oh, I'm good at talking, so I guess I'll pick this one next exactly. to get better at talking. It, instead, it's like, I'm good at talking, so I guess I'll pick this one so I can learn new gun upgrades?
3: Like, okay. Yeah, and that, that's kind of exactly the problem. Like, Fallout's the exact opposite problem, where you had a really restrictive um, character sheet to play with. And it's like, I remember, I because remember, in Fallout games, I love playing... Um, I do love playing that guy. I love playing that talkative person that can talk their way out of anything, and um, you know that's definitely what I played in New Vegas. That's like fast talking guy, Um, and I I did that in um, two and one when I went back to play those, and 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 Fallout Four just doesn't support that. Like Fallout Four, I ended up having to spread out her stats so much it didn't fucking matter what i focused in. I kinda like, get one second I was in strength, the next second I was in in, in um luck, whatever. I was just bouncing all around the fucking stat tree and and nothing Ugh God. Nothing I, just, I,
2: I just hate skill trees. Like they just are so
0: What about you know what you know what he kinda what he's described here kind of reminds me of is uh maybe a little flavor of like Ultima Online sort of uh, or at least it sounds like kind of that level of freedom, right? Um, right. It's not. Mm. A, it's not skill trees, though. It's it's different, and the method by which you level up in Ultima is, of course, very different. But,
3: but uh, <laughs> well, I, I think it's also like the first go and chop down trees. I, yeah, like you the...
0: want to you want to level something up, just do that thing.
3: I, I I think the first I think the first game that that really got me uh, super addicted to it was Final Fantasy Tactics because t- Tactics had characters that you could really build up. Um, with a lot of death. then and, and it took a lot of work you know you had to you had to grind and you had to get the right job points and all that kind of stuff but by the end of the game you can have some crazy floating ninja that was able to jump and disappear from the map and then land back down and or you could have like um some kind of geomancer that could also cast uh crazy summons and all that and kind of stuff so so you know you ended up with these units at the end of Final Fantasy Tactics that you know were really you know, they weren't limited by anything the game did. And I feel like other other Final Fantasy titles tried to capture that. Like, I feel like Final Fantasy XII almost had that, you know, the, the, the limit to your builds is your imagination. Um, but in Final Fantasy XII, they kind of squandered it because at the end of the game, everyone had the same skills anyway, so they were all built exactly the same. Um, and I've always loved that. I don't know, there's always been something about the class build that I really liked in RPGs, you know, Grandia has a little bit of that too. Um, you know, I think even back to the throwback to the RPG maker games, when I, whenever I did like homie G and the R town crew, my approach to making the characters was okay. What class do I want them to be? You know, if I, if I want this girl to be a rogue, then, you know, what's the modern day version of that? I guess that's a gold digger. Like Kanye says in his songs. So I, I, there's always been something that's been very really appealing to me about about class creation, and I've always hated it when a game limits limits it more. I think I think Fallout Four is an example of a game that just really limits your character builds. Um, so I, I can so see much...
2: why it's appealing to people, but to me, it's like the just the last thing that I want to do is like look at because like I look at spreadsheets all day, and mm. you know, I th- it's like I, that's
0: I see that's how you the... can reduce it like that. Like I mean, I mean, that's
2: that is a bit reductive, but you know, it's just. And trying to like go through a list and figure out the best configuration—that's not that's my a, idea
3: of fun. But, that, but that's kind of the thing I'm trying to get across here. You don't have to do that with this game because you can't—you can't mess it up. Like, there's nothing. There's nothing there. It's just like, okay, I, now now I want to be a fire guy with a big sword. Just go do that. <laughs> you know, there's nothing to there's nothing to calculate once you kind of understand yeah. the stats and all that. You just you just go for it because I don't like that either. Like like I, I I I want people to understand I'm not a serious min maxer. I definitely like breaking gains, but I'm not the type of guy to sit down with like a calculator and, um, you know, use all the talent point allocators online and just and just break down the mathematics of it. Like, I hate that shit, too. But if I want to say, okay, now I want to create a character that can dodge like crazy and run into a group of mobs and be a suicide bomber like a madman. I can go ahead and do that in Grim Dawn. Um, I I just always
2: want to be Duke Nukem. Like every game should be Duke Nukem. (laughs)
3: Anyway, as far as you're going with the narrative, I yeah, it's a little weak on the narrative, then. I, I especially I my narrative games—they
0: a... should be Duke Nukem's. Of course it is, there's because definitely... <laughs> it
3: looks like Diablo, and all games that look like Diablo
0: are just like, <laughs> well, eh,
3: you know, we don't have to put in a fucking story; just give them loot. There is a story. I mean, that, I didn't say there wasn't a story, but it is—it is a weak narrative. It's, it's just kind of whatever. It's uh, um, so you're going to run into NPCs. It's—it's it's not empty. It's not an empty world, but it's like if you're not in it for the loot, and if you're not in it to um, create. You know, limitless, limitless classes. Then, yeah, don't bother. That's it. But that's it. That's my piece. That's my defense of it. Like, if you really like that shit, then this game is definitely for you. If you're looking for something else, or other games.
0: <laughs> it's, it's got a lot of love. It seems like people are enjoying it, and we mentioned it specifically because it's leaving early access this Thursday. So, uh, that'll be your chance to to pick it up and and check it out. If this does sound like your thing, because it's all right. You know, some people, everybody likes different things um doug likes beating women you know (laughs) we all have our own special stuff and that's that um all right any that that was quite a lengthy uh podcast there all right is everybody happy did we talk about all the things we need to talk about yes Good job us. A-plus. All right.
3: All right. Well, if you hey, f- we never talked about Hero Like. Oh, well, I mean we'll, we'll have plenty. <laughs> it's great. To- <laughs> we'll have plenty to do next it's week. It's the best game best game best game of
0: the year. Uh, I am sure. Uh, if you enjoyed our podcast today, go check out our website enemyslime.com. Go find us on Facebook, Twitter, iTunes, wherever wherever podcasts are sold uh, and go subscribe or like those pages. We're at the Enemy Slime on most of those services. And uh, I think with that, we'll be out. We'll be back next week with a uh, little Latino boy.